Hello, hello, it's Christine, and I am really excited, so I'm jumping in here before we're even introing the episode today, because I have been working feverishly for the past couple of weeks, pulling together something that, yeah, I'm pretty damn excited about. And if you listened to last week's episode, you heard me tease it a little bit, but we're right at that place now where um, I'm about to release who's going to be a part of the 2020 Hormone Summit. So this is something that I did last year, and it was really what kicked off this whole podcast. And so it's pretty near and dear to my heart, and I wanted to do it bigger and better than last year because, you know, that's how we roll, right? We do something once, and then we want to take it to the next level. So this year I have um, almost, let's see, two to three times the amount of people that are involved. Um, We're going to have amazing interviews again like we did last year on all kinds of hormone stuff from gut health and hormones because I want you guys to fully understand what that's all about to um, thyroid and liver and uh, adrenals, how that's connected to exercises that you can do to support your hormone health to um, lab testing and the real lab tests that you actually want to take and understanding those lab tests. Um, it's pretty amazing what you're going to get from this. And then the spiritual and energetic side of health and hormones. Um, we got, we got a little bit of everything. And then I've added an experiential side as I like to call it, which, um, is really about incorporating some of the things that we talk about are really important for your hormone health. Like, what kind of movement, you know, here's some movement that you can do. Um, here is some of the energetic practices that you can do. So you're actually going to have videoed, um, you know, interviews and doing these experiential things too. So you can really get that impact. So excited. I've got just amazing, amazing, amazing women that are a part of this this year. And I mean, just all covering all different really walks of life and approaches to, to hormone health, but obviously from, um, a root cause, uh, deal with your hormones in a, I hate to say natural way, but in a non-medicated way. Um, there's so much we can do. You know, I, I get emails all the time, you know, of frustration from women, um, based on going to their doctors and saying, you know, the only thing you can do is birth control or the only thing you can do is surgery. There are so many options, ladies. Um, and yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get into so much of that during this summit this year. So anyways, you can officially now go to my website, christinegarvin.com backslash 2020 Hormone Summit, and you can sign up for it. So right now you're just going to see, well, depending on when you listen to this, but um, the first couple of days, you're just going to see a place to sign up. And then the full announcement will come this week. And yeah, but you want to go ahead and get get your name in there, get it now, because it's going to be a free summit that week, right? But it's not going to be free after that week. So you want to hop on the train now, get yourself enrolled, get all of that information for free that week. And then you are, yeah, you're going to be just so many leaps and bounds ahead of where you are right now. So I'm going to let you go do that. Actually, yeah, 
pause this episode, go do that. Go to christinegarvin.com 2020 Hormone Summit, and then come back and listen to this incredible episode today. I was really blown away. If you read the notes, I don't know if you have, but with Dr. Michelle Ross, who's today's guest, she, um, yeah, just, I mean, you know, we all kind of know about CBD, but I learned so much about CBD with THC, full spectrum, all the things that it can help you with. I'm definitely trying some of them myself. I got really excited after this interview. So um, buckle up. You're going to get some seriously good information today. And I will see you guys soon. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I am here today with somebody that I'm pretty pumped to have on here and what we're going to talk about. And, um, you know, it, it may be something that some of you have not really thought about in terms of hormonal health. And so it's going to be really interesting to learn about the ways that this particular subject matter can help your hormones. So I'm here today with Dr. Michelle Ross, and she holds a doctorate in neuroscience and an executive MBA. As both a patient with multiple chronic illnesses, including fibromyalgia, and a scientist, she's been a leader in drug pol policy reform, patient advocacy, and cannabis education. Keyword, cannabis education there. <laughs> Dr. Ross is the author of five books, including Vitamin Weed, A Four-Step Plan to Prevent and Reverse Endocannabinoid Deficiency, ooh, I got that right, I think, yeah. and the upcoming CBD Oil for Health. She has created educational courses on multiple platforms, including the Holistic Cannabis Academy, Greenflower Media, and her own sites, including FibroUniversity.com and DrMichelleRoss.com. Dr. Ross is known for breaking boundaries as the first scientist to star on a reality television series in the world, finishing fourth place on the hit CBS series, Big Brother 11, which I definitely want to actually talk about a little bit too, because that's pretty amazing. She's been featured on the Today Show, The Doctors, Vice, and many other media outlets, and now lives in Las Vegas. Welcome, Michelle. Well, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to dive in. Oh my goodness. So let's start before we talk about the ways that cannabis can help with hormones. Let's talk about your story and really, you know, you, you mentioned in your bio that you have dealt with fibromyalgia and chronic illnesses. And so how did that end up leading you to working with cannabis? Well, the surprising part of my story is that cannabis was actually the origin and then, oh. uh, and then the diseases followed and it's not because cannabis causes disease. That would be the wrong story here. <laughs> but, um, I was a neuroscientist. Um, I spent, you know, 120 hours a week uh, working with really dangerous chemicals, mm. all sorts of drugs. I was studying cocaine, cannabis, uh, heroin, things like that, injecting animals uh, with toxins all day. And there was actually a lot of chemicals that I was exposed to that they thought was healthy at the time. Like not like super, <laughs> like you should be like in a hazmat suit pretty much while you're working in this. And they found out later. And actually a lot of people from my lab ended up with cancer or MS, or in my case, I had fibromyalgia. Um, and 
it's actually not surprising that this might have happened. Um, fibromyalgia can actually be caused by exposure to toxins. Some people mm. get it after heavy metal poisoning. Some people get it after black mold poisoning. Some people just, they don't understand why they get it at all. They right. just one day they're hurting and it takes them about 10 years to figure out exactly uh. what the cause is. Because uh, there are a lot of symptoms that are similar to, say, lupus or multiple sclerosis. Um, in fact, actually, my doctors thought I had multiple sclerosis first, and I went through all the testing and confirmed that I did not have that. I've um, heard that before, that that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating when you don't have any answer. So um, in my case, um, I ended up with, with a bunch of health problems. So here I am. I had studied cannabis for years, but never used it because as a scientist, if you want to receive uh, gifts of uh scheduled drugs from the government like heroin you can't be on other drugs and they still consider cannabis to be a illegal drug that's addictive it's still a scheduled drug right next to heroin even though it can be legally sold in the united states at like 30 plus states it's very confusing law wise but as an academic professor teaching students and everything else like that you, you can't be on an illegal drug and so mm. i never used it um until after I got out of the lab. And my symptoms really didn't start showing up uh, very strongly until I was out of the lab as well. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do things like go on TV shows and, you know, be very active. I was mm -hmm. running, you know, half marathons. I was wow. a very, very healthy person. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden one day I woke up and it was like my nerves and my arm weren't working. I had like, you know, confusion, like all these weird things kept happening to me that were really like nerve based and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting because I started to pursue a lot of different things um, and none of them really helped. I mean, opioids will take away your pain, but make you like not be able to work and, you know, get you addicted and all these horrible things. Whereas cannabis is something, um, you know, if you use it properly and you can always use any substance uh, improperly, you could mm -hmm. always be just smoking joints all day, not go to work anymore and be sort of out of it. And which is of course not the, type of uh, medical approach I, <laughs> I uh, mm -hmm. am an enthusiast of, but you can use it in the proper dosing with the proper products to really both relieve pain, reduce inflammation, increase focus. Like there's so many things that it can do. Um, and there's so many ways to use it from lotions to vape pens, uh, to drops you take under the tongue, like a tincture, um, mm. even like little cough drops and things like that filled with uh, THC or CBD. So for me, um, it's interesting that I was very well versed in cannabis and yet I still was sort of reluctant to try it because I knew that it would mean that I couldn't really be an academic professor anymore. Um, you know, a lot of the universities are, still have some stigma against it, although it's getting much, much better. Um, mm -hmm. I would say 10 years ago though, it was like, you were the cannabis <laughs> professor, yeah. you were fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so in my case though, I really had to make that uh, decision and go, well, you can't really work anyways. You're really sick. You're bedridden. Your husband's like taking care of you. Mm -hmm. Like you're not a professor anyway. So right. you might as well, you know, take that leap, go in there. And then um, what I found was that my expertise was really, really needed, mm -hmm. uh, both as a scientist and as a patient, because I was able to really find out what the gaps were in this knowledge. They were selling cannabis, but there wasn't a lot of, say, guides for doctors or guides for patients, protocols for specific conditions. In fact, I was actually one of the first people, I think I was actually the first person to write about cannabis and lupus almost 10 years ago, um, and cannabis and endometriosis. And one of the reasons I was so passionate about those, my cousin actually has lupus. And now it's funny because I got diagnosed as well oh, <laughs> years wow. later, but, wow. um, but also endometriosis was something that I had struggled with. Um, I had oh. gone to the ER with, um, 
I had ended up being put on, you know, different medications that shut down your ovaries and can put you into chemically induced menopause. So I had been through the gamut of some really, really exhausting medical journeys and even documenting them as a a scientist. I was like, how can anyone navigate this if they don't know, you know, any of this, if they don't have the balls to really stand up for them themselves and say, no doctor, I'm not going to take this medication that is going to actually kill me or going to interact with my other medications. It was just such a confusing and, and stressful journey. And I'm really glad that at least I had some backing to know when I should speak up or not. But I realized that I had to fight for patients that just, you know, they were in too much pain. They couldn't fight for themselves. They didn't mm-hmm. have the education. And in our system, I mean, the United States, our healthcare is tied to our job. And when you're sick, you don't have a job. So it's like, there's just so many factors here that are stacked against patients with a mystery illness or chronic illness or multiple chronic illnesses. Like you almost feel like when you have multiple illnesses, like your doctor doesn't want to see you because you're that complex patient, right? but they right. can't figure out, they can't help. You always have a complaint. Oh, what's new? Are you a hypochondriac? Are mm-hmm. you a drug seeker? You get into all these complex things and it can really, really undermine like your dignity and self-worth as a patient who's just trying to get better. So I hate the things that happened to me, but I do believe that everything happens for a reason. And I've been able to transform some of that pain, some of that anger, some of that frustration with this medical system and be able to bridge the mainstream medical system with the cannabis medicine world and really, you know, bring some credibility to it, bring some structure. And, and I've been able actually to train a lot of the cannabis health coaches and doctors across uh, America and other countries as well. So it's been a really cool journey. Um, but man, if I, if I could have skipped some of those years of pain and just had cannabis right. as the first line therapy. Oh my god! Right. Goodness. Right. <laughs> and you know, I, I think many of us definitely in life experience something that um, leads us to what we're you know, supposed to be doing, um, or the ways that we're supposed to be helping in the world, but it's always like, Oh, why did I have to go through all that to get (laughs) here? But I I think, you know, some of the listeners can really, um, they really feel you when you talked about that struggle of getting, you know, doctors to listen to you and, and having to advocate for yourself. Cause that is so particularly for women. And we know this from research that, you know, our pain is not seen as real as much of the time. The hypochondriac Mm -hmm. word definitely comes out in a big way. And for black women, it's even worse. We know that, you know? And so you have so many women that are really living with chronic pain that doesn't need to be that way, right? There's Mm -hmm. lots of options. So going back to one thing that you said about, you know, the different forms, I'm really curious about this, especially the idea of help it helping you to focus because, you know, for me, weed does not help me focus. <laughs> and so I'm curious if part of that is like the form that you take it in, or is it like timing or, or, or I know there's different types too, obviously the ones that like give you more energy and the ones that take you down, but I'm definitely curious about these forms. You can mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, most people are, are familiar with cannabis in the form of flower or bud. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they smoke a joint, a mm-hmm. bong, a pipe or something like that. Um, and, you know, that does hit you within 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It can make you sleepy, it can make you hungry, it can reduce your pain, depending on what type of strain you use. There's thousands, if not like hundreds of thousands of strains out there because they take these plants and they cross them and they each have Mm -hmm. these medicinal properties. Mm -hmm. Um, They can also make that flower into what we call concentrate. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just like, like they basically take all that green matter down, make an oil out of it. And then you smoke that it's supposed to be a little bit cleaner. Mm. Um, and, but you get pretty much the same effect. So a vape pen is almost similar to a joint, just less smoke. Gotcha. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Um, but you know, in terms of what would you smoke to be able to get some focus? There are some, um, patients that really do find, um, certain sativa strains mm -hmm. and like what we broadly considered daytime strains like sour diesel or sour tangy is actually a huge uh, favorite okay. for something that will increase your energy, increase your focus, but not make you distracted, not make you daydreaming. Sometimes people actually consider it almost like the equivalent, especially if they have ADHD already, sort mm -hmm. of like an Adderall or Ritalin and oh, people are very confused. They're like, how can cannabis act like a stimulant? Uh, right. But again, it has these specific chemicals um, called cannabinoids and terpenes that do um, actually create these changes in your brain that help you be focused. And for me, actually, I can't smoke uh, cannabis containing just THC during the day without being distracted myself, even though I'm mm. in a lot of pain and brain fog and like lack of focus is actually one of the symptoms of fibromyalgia. And I can't mm -hmm. be out there as a clinician talking to patients and be like, I forgot your name. I don't remember. <laughs> I forgot what, what I was talking about. I don't know. You know, you can't, right. you can't Yeah, they're that. like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have to be on point. And so, um, you know, for me, you know, I actually try to avoid THC even most of the day, but if I do have say a, like, a little blip or something, I'm like mm -hmm. between patients, I might just take one or two pops. It's all about mm -hmm. dosing. So mm -hmm. less THC is better for focus. A mm -hmm. lot of THC can make you sleepier, more out of it. So mm -hmm. dosing make is, you is eat. really important. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, me. There, there's strains that can then stop that too. But you know, that I could probably talk for like 10 podcasts I know. on the different strains. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, the next, um, you know, method, um, I actually, uh, and it's funny too, because people don't realize you can put like certain, uh, you know, cannabis products in food, but one of the best things for attention and focus is actually a CBD coffee. And so they even mm. make like Keurig pods that have, uh, there are coffee infused with hemp oil. And so mm -hmm. hemp oil is basically just CBD. It doesn't really have any, or it's negligible amounts of THC, but CBD plus caffeine actually really helps you focus and it reduces the jitteriness of it. Mm. So if you have anxiety, if you have fibromyalgia, which is a condition that is really sensitive to caffeine mm -hmm, and sure. can actually cause panic attacks and things like that mm -hmm. when you drink too much. Um, for me, that's another way to be able to easily get the energy I need, but also not, you know, not be crashing and not right. also be like a little shaky. And so that's great. Um, some people prefer to put CBD oil directly in their coffee. They put a couple of drink mm. drops of a tincture in there. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's the same uh, you know, basically method. Um, some people also will just put one drop of THC or something. So like a microdose of mm -hmm. THC where it's not making them high, but for some reason, you know, with their brain chemistry, it's helping improve their mood and their focus. So maybe working on the serotonin system, we're all a little different. Yeah. What I love about uh, THC and CBD uh, in cannabis is that it basically brings your systems back up to balance. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, balance is the word for so many of right. our systems. We want hormones to, are yeah. down, but yeah. you know, we don't know what's wrong with each and every person, right? Is your GABA system off? Uh, do you, is your, your dopamine system off? Mm -hmm. You know, we have all these different neurotransmitter systems. And what's beautiful is that the endocannabinoid system is actually your largest neurotransmitter system. Mm -hmm. 
it regulates all the other neurotransmitters and some of the hormones as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's nice because it's like sometimes we're searching for that diagnosis or we're trying to figure out like what is wrong with us. And sometimes it really, you don't have to put too much thought into it. Literally, you consume mm -hmm. this plant extract and whatever is wrong, it's going to either dial it up or dial it down depending on what, what, it, what is wrong and bring you back to balance. And because you have these receptors everywhere, yeah, <laughs> like literally yeah. they are everywhere except for uh, the part of your brain that controls your breathing, which is why you can't overdose and die from cannabis. Mm. Like you do opioids, like literally they're everywhere. They're in your skin, they're in your heart, they're in your brain. Um, you know, basically what that's nice is when you are, when you consume cannabis, you literally, uh, can get those, uh, receptors all throughout your body activated and back to balance and healthy. So I really do love that. Um, and that's one reason why it works for pain and inflammation and focus and mm -hmm. all the things. And it's like, seems too good to be true. Sometimes, um, I would say that, you know, if you are looking for something specific, like if you're like, ow, my foot hurts, like there are ways to like directly get it all to your foot <laughs> as mm -hmm, opposed to being like, mm -hmm. well, I smoked it and it went throughout my body, right? Like there are topical applications where you can put things, you know, right. for pain directly on places and things like that. But um, mm -hmm. with focus too, like another um, thing that people do, especially if they don't want to say can get THC in their bloodstream, like some people will even like, you know, use topicals like on their neck or on their temples or things like that. Like people get headaches. Like mm -hmm. you can mix these cannabinoids with essential oils, like peppermint oil. Um, that's actually a really good one. Uh, if you don't want to get high vape pens that just have CBD um, mm -hmm. and peppermint oil are actually really, really great mm. for focus. Um, will not get you high at all. Uh, some people get a little sleepy from CBD. Most people get energized. Again, mm -hmm. it's like, you're that person that falls asleep with a cup of coffee, maybe CBD is probably not also, good for yeah. you during the yeah. day. Um, but you know, with everything, right. Um, you know, all medicine is really personal. And I would say that cannabis is really personalized medicine. If you are thinking about using it, um, you know, for focus, for pain, for any of these different reasons, I would keep what we call a cannabis journal, which could be a blank notebook that you're just like, well, I tried the CBD coffee today. How did I feel? Was it better than my normal coffee? Was it worse? Um, mm -hmm, you know, how mm -hmm. was this vape pen? How did it make me feel? Um, you know, you want to look for things like, you know, your pain levels before, your pain levels after, your focus levels before and after. And it's going to be a lot simpler with something just like CBD. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's not psychoactive when you right. bring THC into the, the equation because THC can change how you feel depending on the time span. Like the first 30 minutes, it can make you feel a certain way. And then the next hour, and then like the last four hours, you know, can feel something different. So I would say that if you are planning on consuming a cannabis product, whether you're smoking it, eating it, it drops, et cetera, and you're gonna use it to where it will be psychoactive, you're not using like mini drops or something. Gotcha. Um, I would say, yeah, just track your journey and make sure that it's enjoyable and also beneficial for you throughout that entire time that it's working, whether it's that four to six hours or for something really, you know, short acting, you mm -hmm. know, just even that, that one to two hours. Yeah. It's interesting as you talk, I really, you know, the word adaptogen pops up in my mind. Yes. That this essentially kind of acts like that. I mean, and even with herbal adaptogens, um, you know, you have to figure out still for yourself how that's going to work. But the idea is an adaptogen helps you whether you're, you know, like, for example, with cortisol, which is such an issue for so many people, you know, um, that it's either too high or too low for a lot of women. And that underlies a lot of hormonal issues. And so really, you know, thinking about even the coffee thing, adding CBD to that, I almost wonder, 
in that case, does it, can it act like an adaptogen for your adrenals and not really push your adrenals like just straight caffeine does, you know, if that CBD sort of helps to counteract that um, aspect, like it seems like it, you know, helps with fibromyalgia. It's, it's really fascinating to think about that, but I do want to clarify because I, I was like, oh, I don't really know. Does cannabis, the umbrella for both THC and CBD or is cannabis like, I've always thought of cannabis as just meaning the THC portion. You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of confusion around that, but mm-hmm. the cannabis plant, whether it contains like mostly CBD or mostly mm-hmm. THC is actually is still the cannabis sativa plant. That's the gotcha. scientific name for it. And gotcha. so the distinction between what is a hemp plant and what is a marijuana plant mm-hmm. is actually legal. It has nothing to do with the plant mm-hmm. world. Um, so what happens is that the plants that make more THC um, lack the enzyme to make CBD or like oh. it's less produced. So it's okay. just about their genetic expression. Um, gotcha. It's not really like they're two different plants. And so when we talk about uh, cannabis, we do include uh, hemp CBD products and things like that. Um, there are some products and like the, the plant will always produce a little bit of THC with the mm-hmm. CBD. Like there's no plant that will will completely, you know, only make CBD because mm-hmm. like there's actually like a stem cell in the, the plant that actually like makes certain cannabinoids. And so like CBD and THC come from the same like stem cell cannabinoid in the plant. And it's gotcha. like enzymes that turn them into those two different things. So okay. all plants will make that. We actually, if you ever get like say a tincture or a product that says 100% THC uh, free, we mm-hmm. actually had to chemically remove take it out mm-hmm. from that. So most gotcha. of them will have like very little, but it'll still be there. So just, mm-hmm. so you know, it is part of the plant. Um, even it's interesting because we talk about, you know, like, okay, uh, limited THC in the CBD plants, but interestingly enough, the THC plants actually used to have a lot more CBD in them. And over time, mm. we actually bred these THC plants to express a lot of THC, almost mm-hmm. no CBD, because the point was, let's get people high, especially on like the illegal market. And now it's interesting because there's a shift now where people are saying, wait, I really want some CBD with my THC, Um, especially for pain patients, uh, Mm -hmm. patients with anxiety that want to be able to be safe functional during the day. We have Mm -hmm. a lot of working professionals that use strains that are either like what we call one-to-one ratio where they have equal Mm -hmm. amounts of THC and CBD, where they don't feel high, but they feel medicated or they feel Mm -hmm. calm, whatever Mm -hmm. it is they need to do. And that's actually a really great ratio for a lot of things. It's also been clinically proven for nerve pain. So, Mm. um, you know, that's actually like a nice starter dose when I tell people, you know, like a lot of women, for example, are very scared to use cannabis, especially Mm -hmm. if they've never had like uh, an experience with it or worse, they've had the bad experience. Like I, somebody gave me a a infused donut one day and I was high (laughs) and I got lost. 18 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Those are like, those are real stories. And we're Mm. like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And we're Mm going to, you know, ease you in. Usually CBD is sort of like the gateway. Right. right. Especially these days. It's, it's everywhere. Right. Like, I mean, there's like so many stores out there and so many places you can get it online. Although I would yeah. say, you know, quality is everything. I've yeah. seen a yeah. lot of CBD products, say at the gas station. And so I see, yeah. I mean, you know, thousands of patients via <laughs> telehealth and they're like, they're like, oh, I tried CBD for like four months and it didn't work. And they're like, what did you do? You're like, I ate a CBD gummy once every five days. And I was like, you have a serious illness. Like that's not <laughs> that's how you can treat it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then like, where did you get your product from? So mm-hmm. I always, you know, ask people, where did you get your product from? Um, what's important with CBD too is like, was it made 
from hemp that was grown in the United States or in another country? Mm -hmm. Like how, what kind of chemicals do they grow it with? And these are questions you don't normally ask. You're not like, where was my Xanax produced? Would they put weird stuff on it? And it's because we have a lot more regulations around pharmaceutical products Mm -hmm. than we do supplements and even like less in the CBD Mm -hmm. and cannabis industry. But I would say is that there is a difference in supplements, right? Like one fish oil from one company might contain some mercury and the other one might be fine or the other one might have more milligrams of the active ingredient and things like that. So, you know, as a consumer, if you are going to treat, you know, um, some of your symptoms holistically, it's up to you to do sort of like that due diligence and make sure what goes in your body, like CBD gummies, like it's really easy to think that those are almost like candy because they're sort of marketed like, yeah, totally. You know, there are drug interactions and things like that. What most people don't realize is uh, the edible forms of CBD, not Mm -hmm. drops you put under the tongue, but CBD drinks, CBD gummies, uh, Mm -hmm. other CBD edibles, um, they can interact with about a quarter of medications Mm -hmm. from blood thinners on down. And people have no idea. They're like, oh, I feel really good. I was like, well, you might have had an elevation of your antidepressant at the same time. (laughs) It's like that might have actually been the the, the, part of it. Yeah. Whereas a healthy person eats a CBD gummy and for the most part, like nothing actually happens because the dosage is too low or their body didn't absorb it. So I would say, you know, if you are a new patient, um, I would say try to, you know, well, avoid gummies. They're not the best. Although I would say some THC gummies work for sleep beforehand. Mm-hmm. But the CBD gummies have been like a pretty, <laughs> pretty strikeout zone in terms of efficacy. So if you're new, uh, you know, try some CBD coffee or get a vape pen or something. But like, try to save your money. Stay away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just generally, you're just not going to absorb. I think you know, it's just not as bioavailable as if you're going to do the the tinctures and and oils and everything. Um, I was I was wondering because I remember reading at some point that THC can act more as an inflammatory system or hit the inflammatory system while the CBD is anti-inflammatory. Is there any truth to that or is that just completely wrong? Yeah, so um, THC is actually a more potent anti-inflammatory than CBD mm. is. It's about 20 times um, more potent of an anti-inflammatory. Okay. But it does have some pro-inflammatory mm. actions as well. Mm. So it can be a little bit of a double-edged sword. But for most people, again, uh, you know, most people with chronic disease have really, really high levels of inflammation mm-hmm. and compounds like CRP. So um, it's actually nice. Both compounds have been shown to decrease uh, inflammation throughout the body. So you're yes. safe whether you use one versus the other. I really hate the comparison sometimes between THC and CBD because a lot of times this comes up where people sort of like demonize THC because right. it is it's something that gets you high. You high. Mm-hmm. And then they say, well, there's no medical qualities. Only CBD is medical, you know, because it doesn't get you high and it can reduce inflammation and things like that. But THC, actually has much stronger effects at your cannabinoid receptors, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly CB1 receptor, cannabinoid receptor type 1. And so this is the same receptor that modulates, you know, euphoria and things like that, but it's also the one that's going to modulate the pain reduction, the inflammation reduction, and things like that. The CB2 receptor is another main cannabinoid receptor. It's actually found mostly on immune cells. It's actually really interesting, you know, in terms of certain inflammation models and autoimmune disorders and things like that. But like the most of the actions um, for THC are happening on that CB1 receptor, whereas um, CBD actually doesn't really bind to those receptors. It's naturally elevating your own uh, marijuana-like compounds called endocannabinoids, which Mm -hmm. will bind to those two types of cannabinoid receptors. So it's much more gentler. Like I would say like, you know, if you have like 
I don't know, like a narcotic for pain versus mm -hmm. like, I'm going to take regular Tylenol, like CBD is like the regular Tylenol and right. THC is the extra stump, strength stuff. And I really do like combining the both of them because they do actually hit different receptors. Even mm -hmm. CBD can actually hit a serotonin receptor. People mm -hmm. have no idea. I was like CBD oil actually activates a specific subtype of serotonin receptor. And that's why it's really helpful for anxiety, for sleep, mm -hmm. for certain things. Whereas THC can, you know, like tweak maybe a little bit about the serotonin system, but it's not directly activating that. Interesting. So each of them have such amazing, really cool benefits. Like literally CBD, people don't even realize like CBD can hit, I don't know, like 50 different receptors. It hits receptors that block cancer. Like it does all mm -hmm. sorts of things. Like it's a very complex drug that we give in gummy form, which is ridiculous. Right. So yeah, and it's just like, it was like, this is actually a powerful, amazing thing once we understand what it's all doing. Right, right. Um, but I, I think, you know, like what you were explaining earlier about them coming from the same plant and that you're always yeah. going to have them. That makes sense, right? Like whenever we start to separate things and only give one of a thing, one aspect of a thing, then we're not getting the full, you know, power of that. And so when you're sitting there saying, yeah, do one-to-one -one or whatever of CBD to THC, that makes sense to me because that's how it was created. Right. And so yeah. it's going to act on many more systems rather than that, that separation. And I mean, we do that with vitamins and minerals all the time. And then we find out, well, Oh, it's actually not good to take calcium on its own, you know, cause that mm -hmm. impacts your magnesium levels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, that makes definitely a lot of sense to me. Can we talk a little bit about um, your fibromyalgia journey? Like, first of all, you know, I think most people probably know about fibromyalgia at this point, but explain a little bit about it for people that don't know. And then like exactly kind of once you started bringing cannabis, how that impacted your journey. Sure. Uh, so like most patients, I wasn't really sure what was wrong with me. So mm -hmm. um, I, I had already had some um, health crises that happened right before. So um, again, uh, my very first intro into like they say that the uh, the healthcare system was when I woke up one day, my arm wasn't working and like literally my wrist wasn't working. I had uh, palsies, two different types of palsies. Like, and so I had my nerves uh, in my wrist and like my neck stop working one day and I was like oh, okay well this is interesting <laughs> like, yeah and uh cannabis actually helped uh wake those nerves up um mm. but obviously I was like well what was causing this what was underlying this like there's something off um and then I started like losing my appetite getting sick um getting pain and eventually like a year later I ended up with blood clots in my lungs and my legs and like it's oh, just, like wow. everything just like no one could figure out what was wrong with me I kept getting sicker and sicker I was actually exposed to heavy metals in my apartment in Los Angeles so that was oh, no. for one so, of these things yeah alongside like, <laughs> where you had worked wow yeah it was great I worked from home so I'm like there like all the time Oh, like no. apparently in this place with like heavy metals like literally my my apartment building got raised they're like we had no idea that there was like literally earthquakes and there's like lead like from the ceiling falling yeah. all of our dishes everywhere they're like dude if you had a pet in here it would have died I'm oh like, that's horrible <laughs> i know and so many people you know have been exposed to heavy metals on much larger levels than they realize yeah. and that's a huge part of a lot of sicknesses for sure yeah and i mean it, these illnesses they come on really strangely and like you read the symptoms and i was like i think i have lead poisoning but it's supposed to be for like little mm. children i'm <laughs> like i must be a hypochondriac and right i get tested and i was like yep me and my husband were like they're like are you alive yeah like, crap and so um he doesn't have really any underlying conditions so he mm. was you know, he, he's like, I'm all right. like, okay. And then here I am. I'm like, I'm like crawling. I'm like, I can't eat. I lost like 40 pounds. Like I'm dying. And, um, 
And after that happened, you know, I recovered and like literally I wasn't even supposed to recover. Like I had a 10% chance of like living wow. through this horrible. I had hundreds of blood clots in my lungs. And so really weird. I had a really weird, like, like, like medical journey. I should actually probably write a book about that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, like, it's important. Yeah. For people to yeah. like understand these things that can happen. Yeah. Cause I mean, even as a scientist, you're like second guessing yourself about some of this stuff and the doctors will tell you, there's nothing wrong with you. Go yeah. home, take a Tylenol. And you're like, I think there is. And yeah. so and you're like, um, Tylenol is going to hurt my liver worse right now, actually. Thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, here I am trying to solve my own medical, like, you know, mystery while like barely being alive in the first place. And um, it ended up actually taking a uh, move from Los Angeles to Denver, Colorado, where mm -hmm. they have a much more, um, they have better healthcare system. At this time, I was on Medicaid. So it was even worse. Like I lost mm -hmm. my job. My husband's taking care of me full time. So he's mm -hmm. not working. So we ended up on Medicaid. And there is mm -hmm. definitely a difference in treatment and diagnosis and priorities on people that are on private health insurance versus mm -hmm. public health insurance. Mm -hmm. But I knew that in Los Angeles, um, on the public healthcare system where there was a backlog of like four months to go see like a specialist or something. I was actually one of my specialists. One time I was supposed to go for like pain and they referred me to a uh, pediatric uh, epilepsy doctor. And I was like, I don't what? have epilepsy and I'm not a child. <laughs> not a kid. Why am I here? And <laughs> like, like, it was just like, I was like, I'm going to die. Like, I yeah. think like, I, I'm actually wondering if they want me to die because I'm such a drain on the medical system right now. Right. And like, you, it's, wow. you have to think about that. Like, why mm -hmm. are they sending patients to the completely wrong doctors? And it's like, they don't, they, they treated you really badly in the right. system. Right. So, I went to Colorado and like almost immediately, like doctors started like actually caring and taking care wow. of me. Um, and I was able to have much more uh, open conversations also because they had medical marijuana was legal on for adult use. Um, there was slightly less stigma about it, although still stigma. And, mm. and it was funny because some of the things that had happened to me, I was not on cannabis at all. Mm -hmm. And yet I would still, somebody wrote in my file that I was a drug abuser because I was on medical marijuana. And so like, I always have these conversations where I'm like, I'm not here for pain management. I'm here to like figure out what is wrong with me. Yeah. Like, like, I want to get I better diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. Like, do I need hormones? Do I need like, what kind of things do I need? Mm -hmm. And finally, um, it was when I wasn't getting better from after the blood clots, like I was tired, I was achy, I couldn't think. And they're like, maybe you have brain injury. <laughs> Like in the, got scanned and they're like, well, you don't brain damage from this because mm -hmm. you know you do you don't get oxygen mm -hmm. you know, when you are suffering from blood clots, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. So it was possible I had brain damage, had like a tiny little bit, like not enough to to actually like uh, make my symptoms happen. And mm -hmm. so you know, one of the things I noticed was like my husband it was really hard for him to touch me, and I was just like, ow, and it was like all these places, like don't hug me, don't touch mm -hmm. me, and he was just like, okay, you're a totally different person after this, and mm -hmm. it turned out because my husband was the only one touching me that was actually, Hey, like I had these tender points all over my body. And that's one of the ways that they diagnosed fibromyalgia. My mm -hmm. doctor was like, yeah, it was like these weird places. Like you don't get bruises in weird places, like behind your, your, I don't know, like your, uh, like knee ankle right. things. Like, like it was like really weird. Like fibromyalgia tender points are in weird places. Mm -hmm. um, and you just think like, you're sort of crazy. You're like, Oh yeah. Like above my rib cage right here, like hurts. And you don't think about it. You're like, maybe I bumped into something. Right. It turns out like, yeah, systematically, if you hurt in these places over and over again, that's one of the symptoms also, you know, no, like nonstop, like aching, burning, everyone mm. like has different symptoms. Um, but, um, you know, the one common thing is that it's not going away. <laughs> it doesn't say progressively get worse, like MS or something like that. 
but it's there every single day. And mm -hmm. if you're a working professional like me, I was like, okay, if this crap happened, I want to get back to <laughs> working. Mm -hmm. And I was like, at this point, I'm not going to be able to, because I'm in so much pain. I like literally want to die. Like, mm -hmm. And it was just awful. And you know, of course, you know, they can give you opioids for pain. I was going to ask, that's, really... that's, what they, that's what they offer for fibromyalgia really is opioids. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so I ended up on morphine. Like, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. here I am, I'm, I'm an addiction neuroscientist. That's mm -hmm. actually my specialty. And wow. it's funny because I know about this, but when you think about people like, like, well, a heroin addict is different from somebody who's a pain patient who's given morphine. You're like, actually your body doesn't know the same difference. thing. Yeah. And yeah. even if you're not abusing it, if you're taking, say, a high doses of oxycodone and morphine for a year plus, your body is going to be dependent on it. Your mm -hmm. body's not going to like it when you're mm -hmm. off of it. And um, I actually ended up with a doctor um, who uh, did a surgery on me for endometriosis and was like, oh, you don't look like you need these pain pills anymore. It looks like your insides are much better and just yanked me just off of pain it away. pills. Ooh, took yeah. them off. And I was like, I've been on morphine for a year and a half. You just like literally cut me off. Wow. I went through withdrawal and I was like, that was so irresponsible. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Right. And that's happening a lot these days because of the, you know, opioid crisis or whatever, right? That yeah. people are just getting it taken away from them. And you, it's not, it's not the approach. Yeah, <laughs> you have to wean very, people off here. Dangerous. Um, yeah. I would say that if I had not had access to cannabis and, you know, there's a difference between taking a couple like CBD drops and taking a dose, you need to actually wean yourself off of um, high doses of opioids. It's mm. like ridiculous. Like people are like, oh yeah, you could probably take 500 milligrams of THC while you're going through opioid withdrawal and be fine. Like wow. be awake. Whereas right. like that would put you to sleep for three days yeah. <laughs> normally. <laughs> but like that process is so just um, dramatic, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's just say, and the symptoms are really bad that you can actually tolerate a lot more. So here mm. I was, I'm a neuroscientist trained in addiction, actually sort of horrified that my doctor didn't like actually compassionately think about this Right. and was just probably like, oh, she's a weed smoker. She'll be fine. I'm like, right. <laughs> and uh, it was not a, not a fun process. And it's actually been one that um, I've been made sure to really focus on you know, some of my work on women that have had the same experience, whether they've mm. been cut off of um, their opioid medication or they're no longer able get it for whatever reason and to help them, you know, be able to taper down with dignity and, mm -hmm. and the least impact on, on their health. But for me, nice. you know, it was actually the best thing was to get off of these horrible drugs. Lyrica was another drug that like caused me to gain 50 pounds, made me slur my words at times, which was really mm -hmm. not cool. And then didn't really help with the pain. What I noticed with fibromyalgia and even some of my other um, medical conditions was that these medications that were supposed to be amazing really didn't do anything yet they had a laundry list of medications like what made me hallucinate I was just like this is supposed to help with pain like I, know. I was just like oh I my know. no and um you know cannabis never has any of that stuff I would say that uh, you know cannabis isn't right for everyone there are some people that say have heart rhythm problems and things mm -hmm. like that that need to be cared for or not use it at all um there are some people that you know no matter what they do they get like a little psychotic and it's like you might have you know some kind of genetics in there, you know, um, right. that you didn't get schizophrenia, but you, you are more on the, like the borderline of potentially having a psychotic episode or something like that. Like certain people shouldn't use it, but for the most part, like if your side effect is like, I'm going to order a pizza, like it's not a big problem compared to, I can't do my job or I have so much diarrhea that I'm like, have to take four other medications for this. Right. I've just the quality of life is much more improved. And I would say for fibromyalgia, um, I do use cannabis in multiple ways. Um, mm -hmm. I use uh, lotion. Um, 
and uh, people are sometimes surprised. They're like a THC lotion, like a weed lotion that really works. Um, for some of the spasms, the pain, specifically that Makes nerve sense. pain and the legs mm-hmm. and feet, it's actually amazing because, you know, your skin is really thin in certain parts, right? Mm-hmm. Your hands, your wrist, your back of your neck. Yeah. Um, and cannabis is actually formulated um, usually with other like essential oils that help it penetrate deep in. So it's not just laying in your skin, it's going into your muscles, into your joints. It's helpful for arthritis pain, fibromyalgia pain, back pain, sciatica, things like mm-hmm. that. And so for me, it's one way that I can use it during the day, really control that very specific pain without having to smoke or be high accidentally during the day. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way for professionals to deal. It's also, I love to put it on before I go to sleep. I never wake up with Charlie horses or cramps or have to like get up in the middle of the night. I have a really, really good sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, now, speaking of sleep, that's like the basis of all diseases. You don't get sleep. Your disease right. gets worse. You're on that like little wheel. Yeah, in terms of sleeping, um, I do actually tolerate cannabis a little bit better when I go to sleep, like most people do. You don't know if you're high, if you're sleeping. Right, right. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. But like, I get really dizzy from THC, and so the the amounts I would need to 100% kill my pain during the day would make me fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for me, I consume most of my THC dosage at night. So I actually do take a THC gummy. Um, it's best, actually, your body absorbs more of it if you eat it with a fatty meal. So if you eat like a glass mm. of milk or a piece of cheese or something, you're actually going to absorb much more of it because THC and CBD are fat soluble, mm-hmm. not water soluble. So mm-hmm. you have to eat them with fat. Nice. And so I just make sure I literally eat the same amount of fat every day. So my dosage is exactly the same. So I eat my gummy, my little piece of cheese, go to nice. bed. Um, and the, that THC will kick in. Um, I don't take a tremendously high dose because we do know that THC can interfere with sleep. Just right. like if it's too you know, high, yeah. a glass of wine might help you go to sleep. The bottle is going to give you <laughs> not yeah. so great sleep. Um, yeah. We do know that THC can interfere with sleep after it's like you reach over like the 20 milligram mark, mm. but around five to 10 milligrams can be helpful for both sleep and pain. And so, oh, you know, I use, you know, more responsibly. A lot of times people think if you're a medical marijuana patient, that means you're just Home all the time all day. <laughs> One, I do have patients that do that and yeah. if that fits into your lifestyle and that's okay but like yeah. for a lot of people they're like working moms especially like during COVID if you're a mom like a professional right. like your kids are running around but you need to manage your pain like smoking and you know, cannabis in front of your children not exactly you know responsible so you know these methods where you're taking drops or you might be able to use a vape pen or things like that or just more responsible ways of consuming this medicine and right. You know, I, I do say that there's still like, there's so much like a steep learning curve. It's not as simple as just take the Xanax bar, take your right. morphine Of course. Yeah. But, um, Anything you know, natural is going to take a little longer to figure out. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, for each of these conditions, it's so different. You know, what you prescribe or like recommend, say, for fibromyalgia is very different than what you would recommend for menopause and things mm-hmm. like that. And so mm-hmm. even though it's just cannabis, it's still, there's so many like layers of uh, complexity to it. Absolutely. And I definitely want to get into the menopause um, issue here in just a minute, but I do have a quick story of the time that I feel like I was very much helped by uh, a lotion. And it was, it's it's actually a friend's mom that makes a, um, I guess it's a lotion, whatever. It's a, it's, you know, something that you rub on. or balm or something. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it had, it was THC and CBD in it. And um, people that have listened to this podcast know about uh, what happened to me, but I had a um, fibroid surgery go wrong unknowingly and they burned me in three places in my intestines Ooh. and I ended up with sepsis, but I didn't know I had sepsis. So it was like two weeks in between the surgery. And then when I landed in the ER and I will tell you the only thing that helped, I had such pain on the right side of my body because that is where 
my, uh, you know, the stool and fluid was dumping into my abdominal cavity where it's not supposed to be. And I actually had like, in order for me to be able to sleep at all during that time, I was just rubbing that THC Mm -hmm. and CBD salve on me. That was the only thing that brought down the pain. And so that kind of showed me how powerful it was. Cause even when I had sepsis, which, you know, is just trying to take you out, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, that still at least brought down that pain during that time. Um, and so I definitely continued to use it after I had emergency surgeries and, and, you know, after that it was, it was literally pretty much the only thing that helped, you know, because even all the medicate, like talk about being on medications and Mm -hmm. (laughs) opioids and all the things, the lot, I mean, I'd never been on any of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I ended up being on like literally all of it while the two weeks I was in the hospital. Um, and I feel lucky that I just, I don't have an addictive personality in terms of that stuff. And so, uh, you know, I was able to wean myself off pretty well after I got out, which I was grateful for, but really, I mean, using that salve was such a huge thing. So yay for that, you know, (laughs) just putting that out to people. And I mean, obviously with fibromyalgia, that's such a big thing that it takes over your day is just that pain in your body constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's the stress too. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's interesting because it's like, there's obviously different levels of functioning with fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of people are actually on disability. And so mm-hmm. I would say this disease can be easier if you're not dealing with daily stresses or things like that. But like, you know, my work as a CEO was like, I was flying around all yeah. the country, having to keep up with people that were doing like 16 hour days, walking an entire like convention center, like 18 times in a row, standing on my feet. Oh, you should be wearing heels. Like you should right. be wearing flats. Like it's like, like trying mm. to keep up as if you don't have a disease and you're right. like, and then they're like, let's go to the after party where you can meet these other CEOs. They're like, so you know in order to function like that you really do have to really use every tool uh, every tool in the, like the tool book <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the toolkit sorry yeah um and it's like I sometimes have to be a lot more intensive and intentional about like my use rather than somebody that is say you know relaxing or has like a really easy job or things mm-hmm. like that and so you always have to think about like how can we <laughs> get you up to the speed where you need to function you know um you can yeah. just be on opioids and, and not work but like is that a fulfilling life right. um right and you know I, i'm sure you wouldn't have wanted to be like say <laughs> disabled or retired or anything like yeah. that but i'm glad to hear that the the lotion really did work and it's interesting because people don't realize that THC and CBD also have antibacterial, antiviral, mm-hmm. uh, anti-fungal uh, properties. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a close friend that uh, almost died from MRSA Oof. and uh, was treated with cannabis oil and survived. And so there's a lot of cases um, where uh, cannabis can actually make even like antibiotics work better. Yeah. Um, there's a researcher yeah. in Israel, it's like the, the grandfather of cannabis, and they actually said that. Yeah, can- cannabinoids yeah. are actually going to rescue us from all the antibacterial like uh, resistance that the we're resistance getting. Resistance, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, I, my dad was in the hospital earlier this year and the sleep issue was so bad, especially when, you know, with older people, a lot of times um, post-surgery, they have a lot of trouble with sleep. And I was like, asking one of the nurses, I was like, can I bring CBD in? And he was like, ah. he was like, I'd love you to. He said, you know, it, I, I know it works for me. He's like, but I'm not allowed to let you bring it in, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, God, these are the changes we need to make. And I mean, like with sepsis, we know vitamin C is very helpful. Even if you're, you have to do IV antibiotics, but like mm-hmm. the vitamin C aspect helps a lot. And it's like, if we can bring in these, at least get to this integrative place where we we have enough research right on a lot of these things to know that they support uh faster healing 
and less pain overall, you know, and, and yet we still stay stuck in sort of this old, old school ways of doing things, which is, you know, unfortunate, but that's part of why you're doing the work that you're doing. Right. Yep. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I think legalization is a big part of it. Yeah. Right. It's interesting because it's like essential oils. There's still a lot of like stigma against like yeah. in the traditional medical world, even though we know that like terpenes and lavender oil and things like that actually have physiological changes mm-hmm. and, you know, have medical applications. Um, and we have a system here where basically if it's not an FDA approved drug, it's not supposed to be able to do anything. And it's mm-hmm. just very odd because we've been, treating a lot of symptoms and conditions naturally, you know, for thousands of years. And some of our drugs that we are using now, we're like, wow, they're more harmful than these natural substances. What were you doing? I know. And often those drugs actually stemmed originally from natural things. They just, you know, chemically changed it so much that it ends up becoming harmful. It's like that same idea of like too much of something is not good usually, you know? And so it's like finding that right balance. Um, so let's tap into the menopause issue because I definitely know, you know, some of our listeners are in menopause or heading into, me- per- um, they're in perimenopause and heading you know, into menopause. Me, I just like hit it. I was like, really yeah. perimenopause? I'm like 30 yeah, years old. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, <laughs> this is the, one of the things I talk about on here a lot. Like in actuality, most women are going into perimenopause around 35. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it means that our hormones start to shift at that age. And so mm-hmm. some women don't really feel it until, you know, they're in their forties or mid forties, but mm-hmm. a lot of women actually, they're having these things happening at 38 and they're like, I'm too young for this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're not. And actually now is the time to really start to work with it so that it won't be horrendous by the time you're in your late forties. <laughs> and, you know, there's also some uh, reasons why women will go into menopause, like around that age or earlier. Oh, so living at altitude, for example, living in Colorado, oh. I think, uh, or like Mexico city, like any of these like oh, high altitude cities actually, um, will, increase the onset by about a year. Also, uh, certain medications do. A woman with epilepsy uh, typically go into mm. menopause a little bit earlier. And so since in my practice, like I deal with a lot of women who are using cannabis or CBD for uh, seizures, they are also mm-hmm. going through, like, they have no idea though. I'm like, that's not a, that's not an epilepsy symptom. Like that's perimenopause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> so what are the ways that it really can help with, with perimenopause or menopause? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one of the nice things is that almost every single symptom of uh, perimenopause and menopause from, you know, confusion, hot flashes, night sweats, headaches, you know, appetite changes, sex drive changes, menstrual cramps, uh, all these things can actually be treated by CBD or cannabis. Again, we're looking for boosting mood. We know that Mm -hmm. CBD uh, can activate those serotonin receptors, which does regulate your sleep, your sex Mm -hmm. drive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and your, and your mood. Um, so you know, if you're getting better sleep um, and you're also regulating your temperature better, you're not going to be as sweaty. You're going to be able to sleep through the night. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of women find that those hot flashes to be very, just yeah. not very disturbing. And yeah. a THC and is really, sleep. really good for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so sleep is the biggest issue. So some women like THC better. Some women like CBD better. It's interesting. Again, everyone's hormones are slightly different. And what may work for you at the beginning, you know, when your symptoms are lighter may not work for you as well. Um, at the end. And mm-hmm. one of the things I actually, um, you know, even though I am just 38, I did actually go through chemically induced menopause uh, when I was on uh, specific drugs that shut down my ovaries because I was literally, um, I had such bad pelvic pain at one point that I was waking up in ERs, like with a fentanyl drip on my arm. They're <laughs> like, yeah, you passed out somewhere again. I'm like, how do you even black out from pain? I was like, that's not good. <laughs> so 
Um, so they, they, they shut down my ovaries and everything. I literally went from being on birth control for like 15 years to like menopause, like overnight. Wow. Of course, it causes mental health issues as well. That's not very right. fun. Um, but you know, being able to lean into cannabis and go, okay, well, I'm not really using it now, but like clearly I have to deal with these symptoms because I'm waking up drenched in sweat. I went through all the symptoms. Mm. Uh, and uh, I will say that, you know, using THC, um, you know, whether it's five milligrams, 10 milligrams, could be 20 milligrams, depending on how severe your symptoms are. But that's a great way, again, to be able to go to sleep without having to worry about being high during the day or having to smoke or things like that. I do want to steer women away from, say, smoking cannabis um, just because we do know um, uh, that there are issues. You know, when you smoke anything, you can increase your risk of blood clots. And a lot of women, um, especially uh, women over 35, if you're still on birth control, I would say smoking cigarettes also smoking joints, you know, because you are burning the matter and you are, you know, inhaling toxins might increase your risk of blood clots. Mm. And so it's something to be really cognizant of, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times people think, well, it's it's a joint, it's not a cigarette. Well, it's, you're still inhaling certain things. So it's not the safest way. So I would say- And especially also with COVID, I want to throw that in there because we want to keep our lungs Mm -hmm. just as, you know, in tip top shape as we can. And anytime you Mm -hmm. smoke it can inhibit your lung function. Absolutely. So, you know, I would say those tinctures um, are really the one of the safest ways to go in managing uh, uh, menopause and uh, perimenopausal symptoms. Um, But there's also some other interesting methods out there. And, you know, because I have to say the word vagina, (laughs) I'm going to go on a podcast. Um, There actually are um, vaginal suppositories and rectal Mm -hmm. suppositories that have either THC, CBD, or both, uh, depending on what market you're in. Um, and you can even actually easily make your, uh, make these yourself at home with like a little like ice cube tray, coconut mm-hmm. oil. And like, if you, like you could buy like cannabis oil from a dispensary, like squirt it in the little holes, filled ah, it up with yeah. coconut oil. You can make actually make your own suppositories at home. The reason why I'm mentioning the suppositories is obviously a lot of the symptoms can be menstrual cramps. You know, you start to have it periods like irregularly, more frequently, more severe, periods. Um, and that pain level really can, um, you know, go up through perimenopause. That's like actually mm-hmm. one of the most common symptoms is like, what's going on with my period? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Absolutely. And, um, and, uh, the nice part is when I was saying that when you put cannabinoids where they need to go rather than trying to smoke and it gets evenly distributed throughout your body, right. if you're going to put those cannabinoids, uh, and insert it vaginally, it's going to go right there in your reproductive system. Right. And what's and nice is that you actually have tons of receptors there. So it's going to reduce the inflammation. It's going to reduce the pain. It's going to reduce the cramping. So that is one way to use it. We like joke about it. Like in the media, they used to call it weed tampons. It's actually mm. not a tampon. It's a mm-hmm. suppository, but that's one way you can use it. If you're not comfortable with that though, you can still use say a lotion on your pelvis, you know, with a heating pad, it'll help it penetrate mm-hmm. better. It may actually get in there and, you know, reduce that cramping and pain and things like that. So there's nice. a couple options for you. Um, you know, again, also works on your back too, because you know, all of our nerves hit the same thing, pelvic pain, back pain. So you put it on your pelvis, put it on your back, you're all set. Right. Um, and you know, in terms of, you know, lubrication and things like that, that's another thing that women that go through menopause, like you're like, okay, my sex life is, yeah. <laughs> is hurting. Yep. And um, a lot of the lubes out there, of course, you know, they're not great for us uh, to begin with. They might have chemicals and things like that. What's nice is that uh, there are several products on uh, on the uh, market or the legal market um, that are either formulated with just CBD. Uh, for example, there's a brand called Foria, F-O-R-I-A. 
Okay. Um, they're great. They have a CBD one that you can order from anywhere. Um, and nice. it's formulated with other types of uh, ingredients and will actually, you know, increase blood flow to the region. Like ac actually applying THC or CBD to that area will make you more sensitive. Um, so it'll help with, you know, maybe some arousal issues. It actually increases orgasms. Like it basically nice. will bring you back to speed. Like when you were, when you were 20. Yeah. <laughs> so, you no, know, um, if, yes, seriously. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you uh, have been lacking in that area or been frustrated, I would definitely say, I uh, try it out, go with the CBD one first. Um, definitely. Some women are actually amazed. They're like, wow, this, this is like awesome. I don't need anymore. And, or they'll try the THC one first and they're like too many orgasms, too much. Mm, I can't deal. So if you're sensitive down there, you know, um, yeah, just uh, stick with the sure, CBD. Yeah. Just stick with the CBD yeah. one, but yeah, it's completely safe to use and it doesn't get you high or anything too. A lot of women are concerned um, when you use either uh, cannabis infused uh Oob or you use a suppository, it's not going to really go in your bloodstream or get you high. Right, and so right. it's sort of like a one-off experience, but it yeah. is really helpful. And I think it also keeps um, that little fragile, um, you know, tissue down there really just healthy, um, yeah. moisturized and things like that. And um, it also keeps the pH balanced, right? Because coconut oil is actually really healthy. Um, for um, our reproductive area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of benefits, a lot of different ways to use it. Um, I would say pretty much when we're going through those changes that we're almost endocannabinoid deficient, where like we need as much as possible. And if that helps us rely less on traditional, um, you know, treatments for uh, menopause, I would much rather prefer that. For example, like when you take ERT, like estrogen replacement therapy mm -hmm. can cause, you know, like there are some health risks. Absolutely. Absolutely. With that. Yeah. You don't want to jump to that, especially yeah. if you don't know, if you haven't done a hormone test and actually know, you know, please yeah. don't take estrogen unless you absolutely yes. know. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of women too that can't do that anyway. Right. Because like, of For example, cancer, I have blood clots, right. you know, I can't yep. use that. And yep. so these options, um, you know, out there being that cannabis can almost act sort of like a bio, uh, identical. identical yeah. Yeah. So I do have a quick question because we talk about this a lot on the show because yeah, yeah. I've had a fibroid and went through, you know, trauma around that. But, um, do you know anything about with the vaginal suppositories, if they can help around things like fibroids and cysts and polyps and all that good stuff? Yeah. So, um, if you use them regularly, of course, like not when you're like, Oh my God, I just had a cyst burst or something right. and you use it for pain. You can use it for pain afterwards. It's mm. helpful, but in reality, um, the best way to use it, if you do have those kind of severe, um, uh, issues is to use it regularly. And so mm -hmm. we're talking about at least, uh, twice a month, if not weekly. Um, and mm. that's where, you know, actually making your own at home is mm -hmm. helpful because otherwise they can be like 16 to $17 per dose. Wow. Still not the end of the world, but right. that can be expensive, you right. know, if you're right. trying to treat yourself. Um, but I would say that having those cannabinoids in there can stop a lot of different issues. Mm. So, um, we do know, say for endometriosis, that it's actually not mm -hmm. just treating the pain, it's actually treating the condition because it actually mm. stops the migration of uh, these the endometriosis cells and things oh, like that. Nice. So there's a lot of things that are happening. So it's like THC does one thing, CBD does another thing. There's actually a lab in Israel that has uh, put $6 million towards clinical research for cannabis for endometriosis. Sweet. Um, I mean, we need yes. that really because endo is so big now, you know, yes. it's, it's so many women are affected by it. 
Yeah. And I mean, uh, to have to go through surgeries or through yep. these um, chemical treatments where, you know, you're hoping it works. It doesn't, or hysterectomies, the number one exactly. thing that makes me, it just breaks my heart. Everyone has a hysterectomy and you're like, yep. but that didn't even cure the disease. Like that's not absolutely, I know. Well, happen. even with fibroids, you know, they push you towards hysterectomies. I mean, especially because I said I didn't want children, you know, and I was 39 mm -hmm. at the time. They were like, oh, just go ahead and have a hysterectomy because the fibroid's going to come back. And yeah. I'm like, no, first of all, you know, yeah. and B, it just is insane to me that we don't talk about, well, why is the fibroid showing up in the first place and working on yeah. that, you know? And yeah. And, and yeah, I think that there is actually um, a lot to do, um, you know, with our reproductive health and the toxins that are in our environment. And so we know things like BPA, Absolutely. it's like on every receipt, Absolutely. by the way, it's not in our water bottle anymore, but it's on yeah. every receipt yeah. we touch, well, we absorb it. <laughs> like and the, and the, the, the plastic bottles have other forms that are, you yeah. know, just as bad, essentially. Like they're like, oh, it's BPA free, but it has like BP, whatever one of the other ones yeah. is, you know, so it's everywhere. It's in our shampoos and mm -hmm. it's in things well, we use on our face. Yeah. Well, because, you know, the, this topic really hits home for me um, because I spent a lot of times in hospitals mm -hmm. uh, with, a, you know, like ovarian cysts that burst and all sorts of horrible, horrible pain. Um, I actually wrote a section in my book, Vitamin Weed, oh. about reproductive health. And so one of the things people don't realize is that you can actually cause um, the similar like um, receptor physiology uh, for endometriosis, where you have like less cannabinoid receptors in that area, which is probably why you have inflammation and pain mm. and like the whole dis dysfunctional like area, like endometriosis is actually thought to be a uh, endocannabinoid deficiency disease, actually just like fibromyalgia is. So there's like three diseases where everyone gets all of them like together because it's like actually yeah. the same thing. But in terms of how do you make someone look like they have this disease. Well, you actually can expose them to specific toxins and it will reduce the number of cannabinoid receptors in their reproductive system mm. and make them look like they have endometriosis. Mm. So it's like dioxins or certain things that we are exposed to all the, time. all the time. And so, you know, they're in your bloodstream. Even as a baby, you have levels of these hormones, like these hormone disruptors in your bloodstream. And so mm -hmm. um, I believe that if we had removed our exposure to these uh, horrible toxins that these conditions would happen less. Or yes. if we just sort of, you know, again, like approved, like, hey, you know what, you have a family history of, you know, some of these reproductive health issues, you know, maybe you should be taking CBD as, you know, an insurance policy yeah. instead of getting it and then being like, oh my goodness, what do we do now that you've had damage to your system for like 10 years before your diagnosis? Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, because we know these diseases don't start, you know, when you're like 30, like right. they're, they're starting when you're they're building you're, up. You're, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're really, you're 15, but like yep. nobody really told you that painful periods were like more <laughs> than just yeah. oops, Papa Tylenol. It was actually yeah. a problem. So. Yeah. Whew. Oh my goodness. I could ask you so many more questions, but <laughs> we'll probably need to wrap it up here in a minute. But I do want to ask you about your big brother time. So this was, was this after you had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia? No, it was, yeah, before. It was before. So okay. I had just finished my PhD. So I finished in four and a half years. I moved to California. I was working at Caltech. And then of course, like my boss was just like, oh, you're this pretty blonde girl. You're probably going to get picked for TV or something. And I was like laughing. So it's like, like, no, what? like I'm a scientist, like the most <laughs> absurd thing you've ever said to me in my life. Yeah. And then of course, three months that I'm there, I get picked. <laughs> like out of the blue, I'm not like trying to be on TV or oh, anything. Interesting. And yeah, they were casting um, a scientist for that season. It was the first year they ever ever had. And I was like the first scientist on reality television. So part of it, I mean, I actually was a fan of the show. Um, I had watched with my family. I'm the oldest of four. So I don't really watch a lot of TV. So that, mm -hmm. that was it. Um, 
So I had to say yes. Also, you know, there was another aspect where, um, you know, as a woman, I hadn't seen many scientists on TV. Exactly. I seen many women scientists. And so like when you, when I was trying to think about it, I was like, who's on science on TV? Like Miss Frizzle from like some science cartoon and like Bill Nye, the yeah. science guy. Right, like, right. That's about it. Yep. Like that's horrible. Mm-hmm. And so um, I hadn't seen a woman scientist myself until I was 22 years old. I really only met men and that that's awful. And so yeah. here I was, I was 26. I was given this opportunity. Um, I did the show. It's very competitive. It's like survivor in a house where you're like hanging off of ropes, doing things. I can't even imagine. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Dude, okay. I really, it's interesting because it sometimes teaches you what you have in you. And so mm-hmm. I always thought of myself as a very nerdy, intellectual person. I'm not that social, you know, mm-hmm. like I hang out with lab rats. Like it was sort of funny. Um, I'm not the, con- I wasn't the confident person that you see now. And mm-hmm. what I realized that was competing with these people, whether, you know, there were Marines and things like that. And actually being in the competitions for strength and things like that was that you don't know what your strengths are until you're put to the test. And That's I true. learned- how strong I am. And actually that strength actually really helped me in my, uh, my health journey and my fight to like stay alive because I was like, I'm not a quitter. If I can hang from a rope that's spinning at like 80 miles per hour exactly. for four hours with like beat a Marine, I can beat this disease. I can hang on there. I can do this. And I think it actually gave me the strength for my fight later. And I, I like, I'm strong. Like some people are like, I really don't know how you've been through this all, but all of us, you know, pain warriors, chronic illness warriors, you know, we are really strong. And so, you know, sometimes you have to develop that muscle, but sometimes, you know, life has strengthened you up one way or another. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have met so many people um, through being on TV. I'm, I'm well known in a lot of countries and things like that. And nice. that helps me be able to share my journey with fibromyalgia, with endometriosis, with all these different issues, um, and gave me a platform to really help women, um, you know, be their own advocate for their health and also learn about cannabis. So I'm, I'm really yes. grateful. It's a really weird journey. I like have the weirdest career of any other scientist. I'm like, I know. All, all the good ones are weird though. You know what I'm saying? Like, and especially the groundbreaking ones, like what you're doing, you know, it's like, you don't come to that in just kind of a normal fashion, like just being a scientist. And then suddenly you're teaching people about, you know, the benefits of cannabis. Like you had to go this path to get there. And I mean, this is why I do the work that I do now because of going through, you know, nearly dying from sepsis and um, having that fibroid surgery go awry. And it's like, well, okay, this is this whole world of hormones that, you know, women are definitely not empowered around at all by their, you know, most of their doctors. And so it's like, yeah, getting this information out there to people. And um, especially I think the time in history that we're in, right. It's like, we, power has got to go back to the people. (laughs) Exactly. I, I'm all about, you know, I don't want to be your doctor. I don't want to be your healer. Mm -hmm. Like what I want to do is empower you to be your healer because Mm -hmm. the plants have all the knowledge you just got to top into that and heal your own family yeah well it's been fascinating to talk to you i really could ask you like so many more questions but i'm definitely going to get your book because i i really appreciate that we got to talk about you know some of the specifics about reproductive health because i think that's so important for for women to know so everybody else check out that is that uh do you prefer people getting it at your website or Amazon Amazon? okay yeah (laughs) get it from your website first though right (laughs) um so yeah um thank you so much for being here today and people should just be in touch with you via your either of those websites or yeah yeah. drmichelleross.com is great for you know 
in general, um, but mm -hmm. you know, because my passion is helping fibromyalgia patients, I actually do have a group coaching program uh, nice. where I do uh, three times weekly group coaching uh, with awesome. my patients. So that's like, if you have fibro, you got to join. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm, and that's so helpful when you're having anything that you're facing like that to have a group of people to support you in the process who are going through the process too. Um, are you on social media too? So I am Dr. Michelle Ross, D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-E-R-O-S-S, -S, one, uh, one L there. So mm -hmm. everyone, yep, <laughs> I'm like, one L. the other yeah. Michelle Ross is not me. <laughs> <laughs> not it. <laughs> and that's um, Instagram, Facebook? Instagram, or, mm -hmm. Twitter, uh, Facebook, all, all that. Stuff. All the good stuff. Cool. Mm -hmm. We'll have those in the notes so people can uh, click directly to you to, and everything too. So Perfect. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. This was awesome. I learned a ton and I'm looking forward to learning more through your book. Perfect. Thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. All right, guys. I'll see you next time.